what we've tried to do within Translation Hub is bring all of Google's translation innovations together in a way that makes sense. And welcome to SlaterPod, everyone. Today, we're really excited to have Malika Yer on the podcast. Malika is the head of product for Translation AI at Google. Hi, Malika. Hey, how are you? Very good. Uh, so where does this podcast find you today? What country, what city? I am in the United States. Right now, I'm in my home office in Redmond, but I usually I work out of the Kirkland office, in um, the Google Kirkland office. Obviously, we're really keen to hear about uh, the new translation hub that Google launched recently. But before that, just tell us a bit more about your professional background. Like you uh, went from software engineer to now kind of Google, uh, leading Google's translation AI team. So what was that transition and that what brought you to Google eventually? Yeah, so my background has been in uh, computer science. I did my undergrad and my master's in computer science. Uh, I started out as a software engineer, uh, but uh, what was interesting to me about software engineering was solving problems, uh, which, you know, naturally then my next kind of logical step there was I started working a lot with users, customers of the products that I was, uh, you know, uh, working on. So at my previous organization and so on. Uh, I became more of a customer-facing software engineer. And then I kind of pulled back and decided, hey, I want to do some more just kind of pure code. So I kind of went back and forth that way. And then I realized that my heart really lies with solving user problems. And uh, the other interesting thing I think that drives me is uh, I, I am in uh, certain problem spaces interest me just because uh, either because of their complexity or because uh, they just seem hairy and, and large. And I'm like, hey, that's interesting. Let's go see how we can, you know, make something somewhat concrete and crystallized that'll actually help people. So uh, started out with, you know, this thing called NoSQL before NoSQL even became a buzzword. We're talking like 12 plus years ago. Um, started out with big data before people started talking about big data everywhere. And then when they did, I was like, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> and uh, and uh, say, and then I kind of moved into platform as a service, containerization before that was a thing. And eventually found my way to AI because uh, the potential in AI is so enormous, but the problem space, you know, depending on what you're trying to solve, it can still be, very ambiguous. So that's kind of how I ended up in Google. And I joined Google in 20, towards the tail end of 2017. And I uh, took over as the head of translation for Google Cloud in the beginning of 2022. Can you just expand a bit more on the current role as global head of product uh, and translation AI? Where does it sit like in the Google organization and what kind of are some of the other units that you're working closely with uh, at translation AI? Absolutely. So you're, you're familiar with, I would assume, Alphabet and Google. And one of the biggest arms of, of Google is Google Cloud. And we serve the enterprise users of, uh, of Google. So I uh, lead all of the translation products for cloud. 
and for our cloud customers. So in that capacity, my role is to make sure that any of our, uh, you know, um, all of our translation uh, research that we can bring to our enterprise customers, um, I bring them to our enterprise users. So in this, in this role, I work very, very closely with all of the different uh, research arms of, of Google because they are the ones who are, you know, working tirelessly on the latest and greatest in neural machine translation, in uh, AutoML translation, and so on and so forth. So as part of this, this uh, as part of Translation AI, the multiple products that are part of Translation AI, uh, within cloud, one of them, uh, or in the most, uh, the 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 most mature one, or the oldest one, is neural machine translation. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, also available kind of freely is Google, uh, the, through Google is translate through translate.google.com, you know, or you might know it as Google Translate. Um, so we have the enterprise version of that for the cloud. Uh, we have a number of additional features uh, that we have built out over a period of time into that API as well. We also have AutoML translation, which is custom translation or domain-specific translation, where we allow the users to bias our underlying model uh, so that they get more domain-specific translations right out of the box. And then we have media translation, and then we have uh, Translation Hub, which is uh, the newest uh, launch. It was launched last year. So you just uh, said, kind of outlined a bit of the difference between I guess the Google Translate, the Google Translate API, like the web accessible one and the Translation Hub. But like the Translation Hub launched back in, in October uh, 2022. It was big news in, in, in our industry, of course, in the language industry. So if you had to describe it like in a very short um, kind of 30 second uh, kind of elevator pitch, like how does it differ for the enterprise user from just the raw API or maybe even like the, the, the web accessible Google Translate? The uh, web translation, it's first of all, it's a free translation um, interface that's available. So if you are, you know, a company who doesn't, you know, who wants guardrails around uh, how your data is retained, how your data is translated, and uh, those enterprise security features that uh, all companies rightfully care about, then the web translation, uh, the free uh, uh, web translate tool is not the way to go. It's great for casual users. Um, and the API, uh, you mentioned it, it's, it's an API. So you have to actually have, you have to hook it up programmatically as part of your workflow. There is a, a, a decent amount of, you know, developer time that is required to make sure that it's actually part of your workflow. So the main difference between all of these things and Translation Hub is it is literally just make an account on Google Cloud Platform and start adding users. We have had uh, customers on board in uh, onboard their entire organization or their entire uh, teams in under 30 minutes. Uh, it's and 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 most of that was kind of just going to Google Cloud Platform for the very first time and putting your credit card or information in or you know your billing information. So the actual setting up users and uh, uh, assets and so on in Translation Hub, it's it's very very small, maybe five minutes if you have all your assets ready to go because it's just upload, 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 add users or bulk add users and kind of go. Um, so 
So we integrated with, you know, Google sign in or with, you know, whatever your domain and whatever your email domain is. And uh, and you can uh, there is a lot of flexibility in that way. You're ready to go. Yeah, we, we know it's from the Google workspace, of course, how easy it is to onboard new team members. I mean, we're using it here. It's later as well. Now, what was uh, some of the rationale for, for launching the Translation Hub? Was this like, okay, we have all these existing, uh, you know, individual features, options, ML products, and now we're combining it into one? Or was it like driven by a large number of users maybe even requesting something like this? Actually, it was it was neither. So what we what we started noticing was and uh, and you you guys know this because you know years later you write reports on this and publish them uh, the uh, the overall demand for translation and the amount that users or companies are translating it has increased but over over the course of the last several years but the interesting thing is the budgets haven't increased in in the same way it's like you know do more with less and what we noticed is um, the ones that have the budget, they don't suffer, but uh, the, uh, you know, the ones that need translation, um, but they don't necessarily have those kinds of elastic budgets, they tend to suffer from the lack of access to uh, high quality translation. So we were primarily driven by, look, we have all of this great tech, why don't we make something so that translation really, when we say accessible, it really should be accessible. It shouldn't be, hey, here are five APIs, go build your own. That is not accessible. It's possible, yes, sure. But that's not that's not what we mean when we say accessibility, right? Um, and um, so, so as we kind of started looking at this problem, we were like, what can we do to bring the best of Google AI to uh, to ensure that our users can continue to keep up with their language, uh, you know, with their content translation demands while not compromising on the quality. And can we do something to to increase the speed of translation while at it? Because uh, you know there is this uh, traditional route, if you will, to to translate, which is very much required depending on the kind of content you're translating, where you send content out to a language service provider, and then they provide a high quality translation. But these are human beings translating, so it's not going to be instantaneous um, for, for a good reason, you know. Uh, so, but does every piece of content that needs to be translated, does it need to go through that path? Uh, if it doesn't, then can we somehow give back the, the cost advantages and speed to the user for types of content that do need to be translated, but they don't need that same level of, uh, you know, high touch uh, translation. So that's kind of the rationale behind why we created the Translation Hub, which is also the reason why it's very lean. If you've, if you've tried the, the Translation Hub, it's intentionally a very, very lean workflow because it's not meant for, uh, you know, where, where you need five or six or seven reviewers looking through the, through the content over and over again uh, to ensure that, uh, you know, it's fit for purpose. Let's also talk about some of the components and the features. You mentioned it before, you got AutoML, uh, which is something that I think you launched maybe four, three or four years ago already was part of it, like custom machine translation. Uh, there's a translation memory component. There's a linguist UI. Can you just kind of list this up for us a bit and also what type of content format and types the, the hub supports? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what we've tried to do within Translation Hub is bring all of uh, Google's translation innovations together in a way that makes sense. Um, so uh, we have two tiers in, in Translation Hub. There is the basic tier and the advanced tier, and basic is just what it says it is. It's, hey, here is neural machine translation. You can do some customize, uh, customization with you know, terminology control, and that's about it. Uh, you can retain your format, your document format, uh, to a very large extent, and uh, you're good to go. And, and within the advanced, uh, we expose a lot more levers um, for the user, including, you mentioned it, uh, automal translation or custom translation, uh, where uh, you can automatically uh, get your models that you've built, uh, the language models, the domain-specific language models for translation. Uh, you can use those to uh, do translate so that right out of the box, you will get a higher quality translation. Um, you can also leverage translation memory in our advanced um, in our advanced tier. Um, so I I don't uh, let me know if I think our users your users probably know what translation memory is. So I'm not gonna. They do. They do. I uh, hope they do. necessarily go into that. Um, I'd assume as much. Um, and uh, uh, in addition, obviously, this is all in addition to neural machine translation and glossary terminology control. So in the, in the advanced, just to kind of list it out, we have neural machine translation, glossary and terminology control, AutoML translation, which is your custom domain models, translation memory, uh, along with translation quality prediction, and uh, the uh, ability to have your uh, format retained. So today, we do that for PDFs, we do that for uh, DocX, you know, Microsoft formats, we do that for PowerPoint, we do that for Google Docs, and we do that for slides. So let's touch on two of those. So first, uh, kind of, there's also a post-editing tool for linguists, right? So uh, if you want to do the expert in the loop, human in the loop kind of step there, um, can you tell us a bit more about that, some of the, the features there? Yeah, absolutely. So again, um, keep in mind this is this is built kind of in an intentionally lean way. So so we have two ways to uh, to do editing. A user can self-edit, and then they can uh, send it out to a translator to post-edit. Um, and the reason for this is as we kind of look through our user base, we uh, you know we learned that uh, many of them, especially in where there are budgetary constraints and so on. These users are usually well-versed in at least one of the target languages that they need to translate this content into. So they actually like to, uh, to they can actually translate some of this content themselves and they, they do it anyway. So we figured, hey, let's give them the ability to self-edit and at the same time, let's ensure that they can reuse these edits if they want to by capturing it in translation memory. And the nice thing about that is once you have enough high quality content in translation memory, you can use it as a source of data to train a new AutoML model because uh, a TMX file, it can just be fed into an AutoML model and it'll, it'll, it'll be trained. Yeah, and you also mentioned the quality estimation feature, which is actually something that's kind of ahead of even some some of the more specialized industry platforms. So, can you tell us more about this and how it helps uh, users? 
Yeah, so the goal there is, uh, you know, it's a, so it's MTQP, so machine translation quality prediction. So we launched it first for the quality prediction for neural machine translation. And our goal there was to, to give the users an easy, uh, easy way to, uh, you know, visually uh, get a sense of which content is the lowest on the confidence score so that they can just go there and attend to that first. And again, this is again keeping in line with our, our goal of is this content, is this piece of content fit for purpose and what is the, what, what levers we, can we expose to our users that allow them to get there really, really fast. Um, so uh, that's that's the main goal there. Once they you know edit the content, if they want, it will automatically be retained in translation memory. If they don't want, it, it won't be. So it's like triaging and making sure that maybe some of the content that's very high quality already coming straight out of the machine translation, they don't have to look at it anymore and basically just you know triage what's what still needs a human review into that uh, that stream, I guess. Um, so now we're at Google at Slater. We're running on Google Workspace, of course. So we could immediately set up the hub and you know uh, have maybe it would probably take us five or ten minutes. But what if an organization is not running on Google Workspace? Is that even possible to use the hub or not at all? You got to be on, on yeah, Google it's Workspace. A, it's absolutely possible because uh, Translation Hub is a Google Cloud product. So if you have Workspace, great. If you don't have Workspace, that's fine too. This uh, this is the reason we have two ways to sign in. We have a sign in with Google. And we have a sign-in with email and password. So independent of you know your domain, you could be you know using Office 365. You could be using something else. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, you could be using Workspace, but you don't want to want to leverage that for whatever reason. So you could just use your regular email password as sign-in with email and password. So your your Translation Hub admin can set up all of these things once they uh, during the process of. Uh, onboarding users to the translation hub, um, so so it should be pretty straightforward. Yeah, should be pretty straightforward, right? Ah, okay. I, I thought it was probably mostly limited to workspace, but uh, more more open. No, than no, that. no. It's it's not. Let's talk a bit about language and language combinations that you're you have on the hub. Obviously, Google Translate is probably the most comprehensive. Um, uh, technology there for translation in terms of language coverage, like 130, 150, probably in the target languages and you know all the combinations you get into the thousands. Uh, what are some of the most used languages you're seeing currently on the translation hub, and maybe where do you see momentum building as well? I expected to see kind of the most common languages being used. Uh, and, and you know, when I say common languages, uh, the most spoken languages in the world, or in the most spoken languages in the United States, if the users are United States users, uh, I would make a guess. Hey, uh, maybe we will see Spanish as one of the highest. Um, but actually, that did not seem to be the case at all, because uh, where the the hub seems to really be. Uh, you know, um, delivering on solving for user pain is the languages where it's harder to find, uh, you know, experts, um, or it's uh, possible to find experts, but because they are not as many of them, it's expensive. Um, so, so we've actually seen, um, you know, kind of the lesser. Um, uh, 
less frequently spoken languages, if you will. I don't have a full list with me uh, as actually the more commonly used languages in Translation Hub, along with the usual suspects, depending on which country or uh, which region you're operating it from. I guess that's also in line with like the mission, like lowering the barrier very far and having, you know, basically a lot more people being able to access this. Very interesting. So it's not immediately like the figs, the French, Italian, German, Spanish, and the Chinese. Right. The usual suspects are there, but they're not you know, they aren't the only ones. We we saw quite an interesting trend there, uh, and uh, which made sense because the goal here, we, we built it because we wanted translation to be accessible. We wanted content to be accessible in all languages. And uh, the ones who are, you know, always disadvantaged by the uh, high price or, you know, lack of accessibility are the, the ones who uh, they they don't, uh, you know, there aren't that many of those kinds of th those language speakers. Um, so so we're, we're seeing an interesting trend there. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you a little bit more uh, when we kind of go into the sectors that we see um, use translation more and so on and so forth. Now, in, in some of the early reviews, not ours, but some of the early reviews, we saw uh, some industry observers uh, kind of mentioned that they're missing some connectors to like third-party content repositories, like, you know, the Adobe Experience Manager, the Drupal, Eloqua, Zendesk, Salesforce, et cetera. Like, is there any, are there any plans to like open the hub up to those, what I guess we can call content on-ramps or how do you see that? Yeah, so uh, I, I expected this. Uh... <laughs> This kind of um, uh, review initially, because uh, it was it was a trade off initially between you know how much how lean do we want to keep it on the initial launch because we want people to focus on what's available in the hub today, but there's absolutely a plan to to open it up and make it uh, you know uh, more accessible and uh, more uh, kind of easy to integrate with different. Uh, with other products, with third-party products, so it's def that's that's definitely on the roadmap. It's uh, it's uh, coming uh, sometime uh, very soon, sometime over the course of 2023 for sure. And it's like a never-ending list. I mean, if you look at like the Martech stack, it's like 5,000 logos in there, and it's just there's so many content repositories. But yeah, I mean, the ones that are listed are probably some of the most heavily used. So I'm sure a lot of people will be expecting that. Hey, you had a very interesting case study, Avery Dennison, on uh, on the launch, um, and you know I watched the YouTube video. But for those that that haven't had a chance, like what was their key pain point, and how did the hub help kind of to address it for them? Avery Dennison, um, so they're a global manufacturing company, and they're a very uh, at least a, their global comms team is it's a it's a very um, interesting group. They're they're ahead of the curve in in a lot of ways because. They, they look at uh, technology and AI and kind of go, hey, where can we use this to, to solve problems that, uh, you know, um, that will drastically change or enhance the quality of life of our employees or our customers or our users? So um, Avery Dennison, what they did, uh, which, which I thought was phenomenal, they rolled Translation Hub out to all of their employees in their organization. And their goal was to, uh, to uh, promote employee engagement, 
to promote kind of an inclusive workspace? Because, you know, these are things that people say, but to actually do it, you have to roll out, uh, you know, technology and make sure that these things are accessible. Language is only one part of it, right? There are other things when you talk about inclusivity and, and employee engagement and so on. But since we're talking about translation, I will, I will stick to the, uh, to the language aspect of it. So, um, so what they did was they, they rolled Translation Hub out to all of their employees and they, they started seeing, and, and they rolled out a number of AutoML models as well. Um, and what they started seeing was their employees were translating kind of everything from, you know, um, factory, uh, you know, um, um, information, you know, sheets that are tacked up on the, on the, on the um, notice board, uh, things like that. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here from uh, my peer at Avery Dennison, um, but it was very, very well received. He told me that, and, and he shared this publicly, that they were at some point translating from 32 to 48 languages or something, if I'm remembering that correctly. And uh, it was fairly simple for them to just, you know, send out their global communication, you know, message from the CIO, and, and kind of leadership uh, to all of their employees. So, and uh, along alongside that, uh, they also mentioned that they didn't get any tickets on, hey, I cannot access it, or hey, this is problematic, or hey, this is not working, which is, which is a dream, right, for anyone who is uh, anyone who is uh, in charge of uh, making sure that any tech stack is running. So ideally you want the number of tickets to be very, very low. Uh, so this, uh, this, I thought that this was phenomenal what they did because uh, they actually delivered on uh, what it actually means when it comes to language and translation and content uh, accessibility uh, when it comes to those aspects within the inclusivity and employee engagement. And I know they're doing a lot of other cool things, but we'll keep this to a translation here. And, and it's also not maybe the first sector that would come to mind when you think about a translation hub launch, like a, you know, Absolutely. manufacturing. So is that, is, is it generally quite broad what you're seeing in terms of user uptake or are there particular sectors or maybe user groups within the enterprise that are uh, kind of leading the way in adoption? What we're seeing is uh, the underserved generally uh, where there is a tremendous amount of content. Uh, that's where we are seeing um, a significant amount of traction. So, you know, what comes to mind when you think about that? Uh, government, public sector, education, um, and uh, on the flip side, you know, healthcare, retail, manufacturing, uh, which you, when you think about these industry sectors, they are also, uh, they think about, okay, you, you don't think about a budgetary constraint when you think about these, these sectors, but uh, translation needs are very real and nobody's budget is increasing. So we kind of see both sides, um, but um, it's, and, and they are all looking at Translation Hub for uh, somewhat, similar reasons where we don't have a huge budget, but we have a lot of content to translate and we need it translated yesterday and we cannot wait for, you know, two plus weeks or we don't want to pick and choose 
which content we want to translate because it takes XX dollars to, to translate one page or so on and so forth. So you already kind of gave us a bit of a um, preview of uh, the features when you talked about the additional connectivity, right, to these, to these third-party systems. But what else can we expect from the Hub in 2023? A lot of people want to know. Some of the things that we are looking at is uh, more content types. So I, I told you what, what uh, document formats we support today. We want to keep expanding that. And uh, we're looking at additional formats. Uh, you know, I, I don't have the full list with me, but expect more document formats to be supported for sure. Uh, we're also looking at kind of additional fine-grained control within translation memory, for example. Uh, we're looking at um, uh, making AutoML even more accessible to our users. So uh, this is, again, uh, very, very research-heavy, and uh, this may not actually be available in 2023, but we're continuously trying to make, make it so that our domain-specific uh, translation models are easier and easier for users to build. Um, so that's something that we'll be, uh, uh, we'll be working on over the course of 2023 because that has a huge impact right out of the box on the quality of translation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, these are some of the, the top kind of things that, uh, that I can share. There are a lot of little things that will continue adding, a lot of them around uh, user experience, uh, you know, intuitive user uh, journeys and and so on and so forth. We'll add more kinds of users, more kinds of roles um, for users, and it's 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 a fine balance because we don't want to to make it uh, you know complex. Um, it's so easy to make something. Those complex. systems can get very complex. Yes, you don't want to rebuild that again. Correct, and and we don't want to we don't want to go in that direction. Those systems exist for a reason and you know and which is fine so our goal is to keep it simple and lean for the users who want that simplicity um, so so it's going to be a, it's going to be a balancing act but we're going to try to introduce as many features as we can while keeping it simple we won't compromise on the on the simplicity and uh, ease of use of the translation hub Makes a lot of sense. Well, Malika, that was fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you. It was great.